I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. Hello. I am Jonah. I am Brad. Brad, why are you talking like that? It's very weird. <laughs> I know, I've been speaking into this microphone now for a couple hours. We've been talking so. a lot. We did a, a lot of podcasting last night, then we've been podcasting at Brad's place today. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Yeah. Or listening a lot. Or listening a lot. Talking and listening. Trying to listen. You know, listening is hard, man. Listening is harder than talking. You know that, right? Yes. That's why most marriages fail. Podcasting is a good exercise in learning how to listen, I think. Probably is, yeah. Especially this kind of podcast. Unscripted and when you don't have any fucking questions anyway, you better be listening. Yeah, I took some notes for this one. We, had a, we have a pretty big guest on this week and I wanted to um, do my research because uh, this person has a new record coming out and then we ended up just talking about old Florida hardcore <laughs> bands. This classic going off classic track. Classic off track. Something right I didn't need to research at all. Something <laughs> I know super well, but I never really get to talk about. So this is really fun for us. We hope you dig it. Uh, to the end of the podcast, Chris Caraba, aka Dashboard Confessional, and uh, Dashboard's first record in eight years, Crooked Shadows, comes out February 9th on Fueled by Ramen. Um, so definitely check that out. They're going on tour to support it with our friends in Beach Lang. Um, and that tour... It's going to be uh, from, uh, what's three? January, February, March. March 20th to April 21st. Headline tour, Dashboard with special guest Beach Line. That's awesome. Yeah, so shout That's out to great. Ed and James and everyone in that band. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Chris, Chris has a new record um, and he was doing a press day and... Yeah, I and he'd obviously talked enough about his new record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we talked about you know we talked a little about the record. The record's good. You should definitely check it out. But yeah, we talked a lot about Chris's history in the Florida hardcore scene and um, how it kind of made him is how who he is today and how he kind of came up in kind of a tough scene. And I feel like he's so associated with this kind of like emo kind of world and stuff. And he definitely that's part of it. But he's like a legit. He's a tough guy. He's a legit dude. Like yeah, he's like a tough guy. He's like a scrappy guy he really like has like a solid ideology about where he comes from and how he carries that into what he does and he like still is like a big supporter of that scene and newer bands in that scene and it, it's really cool to see someone on his level still be so engaged in kind of their roots and sort of uh that world so i thought that was awesome so you're gonna dig this podcast before we start we want to give a shout out as always to pulse music, pulse music. uh where we're recorded um they've been super cool to us and uh if you want to do a session there uh give them a call they're easy to call. find yeah so shout out to steve rawalski for uh for engineering this as always and uh shout out to pulse for letting us do it and yeah enough talk let's get into this podcast with chris caraba So Chris, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well, man. Um, you were doing like all this promo stuff. Yeah. That, are you tired? Are you feeling good? I feel good. Yeah. I feel good. You know, it's fun to do this promo when you're like excited and fresh off a nice eight year break. Yeah. You know, you know. I, I wouldn't say you should take a break for eight years between every record, but if you do, you come back pretty refreshed, and this stuff doesn't feel as these kinds of days can be a grind, but they feel sure. really exciting because I'm excited. Yeah. So eight years, but you were touring a lot in between that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was in. I started 
back to went back to further started another band called twin forks um did some solo stuff but by and large stayed away from dashboard as a band for a number of years till about four years ago and then waited until the songs came didn't just try to force it just because we were selling tickets you know yeah I mean, why do you think... Because it seemed to me like the Ashworth was a kind of band that like got really big and then kind of stayed big. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's still really big. I mean, what do you think it is about the songs or people kind of still connect to it? I don't... I don't... I know it's kind of hard to answer, yeah, I, I don't, guess. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm wary of trying to decode it. Yeah. Because I think if I aim for that, I'm going to get it wrong. For sure, I'll miss. I'm, I'm sure I'll miss it. Um, I will tell you, that I feel pretty lucky about that, though. Because when we came back from taking time off, I thought, by rights, we'd be playing, you know, pretty small clubs, you know, the equivalent of the old basement shows. Um, and I was okay with that. I was ready for that. I was ready to build it back up from the from the ground up. Yeah. And, um, in fact, we came back and we're playing amp- amphitheaters. Um somebody kept it alive while we were gone yeah is it like this is just how i would view it which i'm sure isn't how you view it um but like was there thought like going to crooked shadows like how much deliberation is there like is there pressure to be like how people still love us like i don't want to screw this up or is it more like i'm excited to get these songs out well uh when they were done and i knew that i i knew what the songs were and the record was i've been really excited to get it out before the song started coming or the inspiration started coming i was kind of key, kind of keenly aware that um if they weren't if this stuff that i came up with if it wasn't the best that thing that i've done yet or if at least i didn't think so it could only hurt us to put it out right and so that's what took so long i i, I waited till the inspiration was was real and 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 very strong and for my um and then I had to wade through writing songs and then and then being hyper hyper critical of what was what was happening. So that took a bit of time too. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, how long was the process maybe start to finish with the record as far as like when you started writing to sort of now? You know, probably took well, it was longer it was over a span, the span of time was longer than the amount of time spent because I kept going on tour. Right, right. Um, I'm not sure if I could boil it down to how long exactly, but you know, whenever we weren't on tour for the last three years, I was I was working on the record. Okay, and I was curious. We were talking about this a little bit. The first time I saw you, Bigger Across America tour, stopped at Crazy Fest. That's right. So the whole tour played one day, mm-hmm. and it was you, I think Saves a Day, Hot Rod Circuit, um, and you came down the audience, some guy was like holding a sign up or something, do you remember this? Yeah. And you like kind of came down and confronted him, and mm-hmm. I remember being like, whoa, this is like, I thought it was like pretty cool. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I think I, I was ready at that point i'd been taught that like if i didn't stick up for myself to the one guy it was going to be a lot more guys yeah eventually so um everybody had a right to not like it uh but i had a right to disagree with how they told me so where did you kind of pick that up was that just from growing up or like from like the punk scene i think growing up in the punk scene yeah um grown up maybe in not the best neighborhoods and kind of learning early that you can take a punch now i'm not saying i can throw a punch (laughs) but you get kind of brave when you realize you can get hit in the face and it just hurts and that's it you don't die yeah (laughs) so (laughs) I, I i learned that kind of early and um and that made me makes me made me it's been i've this has been a long time since i've had any incidents like this but it made me braver than i might have otherwise been um and uh i don't know 
I probably saw Ian MacKay do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I did. I know I saw him stop a show and give money back and throw somebody out. And I just thought, there's something to that. There's something to the, it's, it's their right not to watch me or to not like me. But it's, but I have the right, like I said, to disagree with how they're telling me. Sometimes I agreed with how they told me. Yeah. I thought it was okay. And I'd say, all right, I hear you. You don't like it. I'm going to keep going, though. We're, we, we both agree that you don't like it. <laughs> but I'm going to keep going. Um, and I've had people that like... It's rare, but I've had people after a confrontation... And by the way, we're talking years ago. This, is, yeah, this, this, is this like, does not happen yeah. anymore. I mean, it sure, maybe it does in some small measure, but it happened a lot at first. Because first of all, there was like this people that were angry that I wasn't in further anymore. Then there were people that were angry that anybody would play an acoustic guitar uh, to punk rockers. Um, and then there's, and then there were people that just thought it was something kind of like funny to do to get their friends all amped. Um, so I dealt, I dealt with this a little, you know, for a while and then it kind of went away. And then we, we were maybe more lauded for a little while and then we got popular and the arrows came back out. Um, but all that stuff told, taught me how to remain sort of humble and measured through the, through when the real ride began, you know? What was it like, what was that, that scene kind of like in Florida, like when you were getting into punk and hardcore, like that, like, were there a lot of bands? Like, was that? Well, we were, um, somebody referred to it as self-starters the other day. I thought okay. it was good because there wasn't, um, a, a, um, you know, we were, we all lived in like the Lauderdale, Miami area, which is very far, far south in Florida. So it was seldom that the bands we really loved would come all the way down to us. They might get to Gainesville, but usually they'd go to Atlanta and we drive up to Atlanta to see them, but they never come to us. So we made our own scene. And it was really great, not just because the bands ended up being really great. Some of them did. A lot of them did, as a matter of fact. But even before any of them were great, when they were really not great, the fan base was great. Like we were all supporting each other's bands. We were all, it was almost genreless because there were only so many fans and we were just going to support the idea of live music even more so than the kind of live music that we, that we were, um, felt most connected to. But I, I felt most connected to like, hardcore and punk and that's kind of where i fell in that's the kind of music i like to play and listen to but what it was but it there was also so where there was it was almost like a communal thing and then there was a kind of like a darker scene going on at the same time with a lot of skinhead um uh presence and 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 then like an outright like we found out this one club that we played at all the time was like owned by some like white supremacists. And we're talking about like a largely, largely like Cuban and Latino audience. Yeah, it seems like a odd area. For racists? For, well, not for racists, <laughs> but specifically Fort Lauderdale, Miami kind of. Yeah, well, first, yeah, they're all, they're lot, like these these hardcore kids um like from like hialeah they were they were tough as nails man and uh -huh. they and they were awesome and they were um and but it clashed it clashed with that with those the, skinhead i mean there were there were sharps too but there was also racist skins and then there was the straight up like white supremacists and then there was a weird like fake vampire scene <laughs> at the same club <laughs> like guys milling about in like long trench trench coats and calling themselves the council of elders <laughs> and I, I was like i do not want to be a part of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that scene whatsoever so it's uh, yeah not that they'd have me but <laughs> uh, it seemed like a pretty discerning crew <laughs> um, but it was a tough it was um, both it was both sides of the coin it was really welcoming and embraced you and uh, embraced me young kid uh I made the cut somehow, and they taught me a lot about 
um, the right way in their opinion of doing things. And that had to, there was like a strict code of how things went. And it wasn't like, so, so in such a way that it was like a serious, like you do this or you're dead kind of thing. It was just like, no, no, we, we like, no, you like, like you don't, you're not here. Like, okay. So there was like the straight edge faction and that was huge in, right. that, in that area. I wasn't straight edge, but there was like this idea like that if you're here for the show, that's the show you're here for. Like you're not here to just get plastered. And if you're a fan and if you're here for the show, cause you're playing the show, you're not here to get plastered. You're, those kids aren't here to get high. These, these kids aren't here to get drunk. These, it was like sacred, like be, be real about what you're doing here. Um, and I kind of carry that till now. Like I'll have drinks after the show, and I'll sometimes go out after the show, but I still like, I've never unlearned that thing. The highlight of my night is never good. It's never going to be better than the show. And I'm, I feel lucky for that because it keeps me incredibly con, uh, interested in what I get to do for a living. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, who are some of the kind of like punk and hardcore bands you were kind of like were getting into sort of like... Like or, regionally there? Yeah. Well, um, so early on, there was like, you know, there's, it's, so there was culture. Culture uh, was Steve Looker's band. Steve right? Looker's band. Yep. With, uh, with Damien. Yes. Um, I saw you tweeted something about Damien's, Damien's new music. New music, which Damien I Dunn. Damien Dunn, which is really cool. I it's just really cool, it. man. That guy just keeps pushing the envelope. So he's just one of the great, he's like, one, he's like a superstar. He has so much of that thing. But Damien would go on to be in, let's see morning again and then shy halud this is as the singer and he would leave and they'd replace him because he i don't he i don't know why he would leave i he didn't always I didn't, spectacular i never knew who's in shy halud oh yeah the first ep um chad sang i have the demo of the first ep it's the same with but damien singing instead of really instead of chad it was incredible it was incredible and chad they found the one guy that could out that could do damien's thing because Chad is, boy, man, he is fierce. And he was 15 at the time. Yeah, I saw them on that. I saw they played in Cleveland at the old Grog Shop. Oh, yeah. And I saw them, yeah. When you saw he, them with the original lineup? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so I saw I saw their first show before they were, before that lineup even. I guess it wasn't their, they're the original, original lineup. And um, So we're talking about Chad then, Gilbert from Newfound Glory. Oh, just, yes. no. just for listeners, in case they're not <laughs> schooled on the Florida hardcore. Stuff. Right, so <laughs> no, I just figure everybody knows me that. Me too, me too. They should. Like you guys should know this. <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, so Damien, and then he went from cult. So he went culture. Then he went to Morning Again. Then he went to Shailud. Then he went to Esrin's Rest. And then another early band that I was crazy about was uh, called Machete. And another one was Floor. And I think those two combined to be Torch. Now the band Torch. Okay. Um, and then we had um, the bands from like North Florida that would come down like hot water music, which to us, they were, they were everything. Like they were the standard bearers for all things. Um, they even, because they were, they were like, we, we, they really went out on a limb by taking hardcore and making it melodic at that point. And it was a new thing to us. Um, there was a band called tension. Um, there were two tensions, New York and one in Florida. Um, obviously the florida one they were they were pretty inspirational to us all and they and that kid was like a senior leader his name was mike hurley he passed away unfortunately last year um but he was like a scene leader he was like there were all these older kids kids still kids you know probably maybe the oldest was maybe at the oldest they were in their very early 20s but they all kind of directed i mean directed um took these took us like grommets under their their wing and and taught us about um what's important about music and and they they would cherry pick they would cherry pick for you which would be different for me what what might change your life what music to hand you it was great it was just this great tradition that they had and somebody had done it from then for them you know and chad obviously was a huge discount fan were you also mm -hmm. into them yeah yeah uh, my first my first one of my earlier bands vacant andy's did a lot of shows with with discount um, and then that was one band that I thought would like, you just think is going to, I thought they would explode. I totally. thought they were going to explode. 
I mean, and respectively, they've all had brilliant careers, but I thought that band at that time would have exploded. Um, maybe it's cooler they didn't. It was a, kind of our secret. Yeah. I mean, what's it like when you're like, if you, when you're doing like these days, like a co-headling tour with like Third Eye Blind or something, like, how do you sort of bring, I don't know, like, do you feel like you're the same person? Like, how do you bring like that attitude, I guess, or those experiences to a show like that? Or like, how does well, that feel, I guess? I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but those worlds just seem so different. Well, I think that, um. Whatever those things were that I learned that informed me and taught me to be the person that I am, that's, that just remains, you know? Um, I'm not trying to put on the uh, South Florida Hardcore show. Right. When we're playing a co-headlining tour with um, Third Eye Blind, but if we're, I mean, and I'm not trying to do that either when we are out and we have Taking Back Sunday with us. Um, that's just not the band we are anymore. Um But it's still, the lessons are still there. I think it's a unique thing. It's a good club to be from, the hardcore scene. It's a really good club. Because uh, at least at least our corner of it was. Because yeah. among other things, it really is, a, it, for us, was is a lifelong bond. I'm still friends. I don't know a lot of people that are friends now with the people that they met when they were 15, you know, but we just, we, we developed, we, we connected through something that meant something special to us. And quite a few of us actually ended up having a career in music. Um, that's helped us to stay connected and, and, and we've, um, made an effort. We've made an effort to hold that scene together, even though we're not necessarily, none of us, not many of us even live there anymore. I don't, Chad doesn't. Chad and I actually live in a... We live down the street from each other in a different town now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were emailing about this the other day when you all turned a press cover, which must have been like early 2000s, I imagine. Yeah, probably 2002, maybe. And the, Yeah, probably 2002, because I started working there. I was there from... I was a music editor there from 02 to 05. Yeah, it was two, two or three, Yeah, something like that. And that was really interesting, because that was like... Chris was on the cover... And there was like this door that opened to his in his chest, and it was like at that point it was like Cold Chamber one month, and it was like it was all like Cold Chamber, Slipknot, Mudvayne, and then it was that cover, and then it was like Slipknot, but then Newfound Glory, and then Slipknot, and then Good Charlotte, and I feel like we, that cover really kind of changed the whole direction of that magazine, and it's kind of like still where it's at. Well, um, it was a real like it was a really risky move at that point. And I mean, nobody told me. I yeah, thought yeah. it was super <laughs> awesome to be on the cover. We thought it was and, awesome, too. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I was certainly a fan of the magazine anyway. And um, we, were, we, were, we were talking, reminiscing about the photograph itself. I think, um, so somebody on my team, I don't, I don't know who exactly, was, was ups not upset, but wary of the idea of this I don't think Photoshop itself was like Photoshop and pictures was like a real thing yet. Right? Yeah, I don't think so. Either. So they were really wary of this idea. <laughs> so just to describe the photo, it's just uh, it's just me standing there, and then and well, I had I, there was a a, a, a stairwell in, in which we did another segment of the photo shoot, and they just shot the stairwell right with yeah, the door open. I think so. Yes, and. Um, and they photoshopped that onto my chest. Yep, your chest. And so this was only described. No shots were sent. And so I'm oblivious. I'm just psyched to be on the on the cover. And the cover comes out. The magazine did well, as I recall. And I just remember getting a call from them being like, this sold really well. We're really excited. And, and uh, we hope this you know helps you. And it really did help me. And then like I heard about, I heard later that i hated the cover and i was like what the cover i got to be on hated it and i was i was so perplexed it took me a long time to find out where to the root of this and it was that somebody on my team maybe the record label i, I don't know um or maybe my manager i'm not sure 
was really resistant to the idea as it was described to him. Okay. But if you see this thing, it's a really well done thing. Yeah, it looks good. Thing. I totally remember that. Do you yeah. remember it? Yeah. yeah. But I was emailing Chris recently, and I had it, I guess just from working there, I was like, uh, I was like, I should bring this up. I was like, no, I think Chris hates this. And then I was like, <laughs> Chris probably doesn't care, even if he did hate Like, I mean, I loved it at the time. Yeah. I thought, like, I thought it was like, uh, well, I, look, the idea is like, they're getting inside of i get the the idea here it's a metaphor right you know sure i was like this is great and i thought i looked handsome on the cover and i was great. like my f- i'm on the cover of a magazine i don't care if they put a bozo nose on me i don't care <laughs> what they do i'm gonna come on the magazine cover and uh yeah so I, so I, that that was one that that I, that's funny that you when you when we were emailing i thought that was really funny that you brought that up and i was like yeah I think people think I hate that that thing, but I I love it. And then and then we we did another cover not long after that for your magazine and and uh, I didn't get any like bad vibe. So yeah. it wasn't even by then. By then, the next cover a few months later, no, still no one had told me that I hated the cover. <laughs> so yeah. it was much later that I found out I hated the cover. Yeah, I don't know when I heard it. It just was like part of my consciousness at one point. Yeah, I don't. I I. I don't know even where to begin with that one because it's like <laughs> i i just simply didn't hate it i thought it was cool at, at, at like at worst i thought this is the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> so okay. i'm not that's really sure how that, <laughs> i'm not sure how that translates to like now how dare they how dare they put me on the cover of their magazine promote my band help my career make me look good Write a nice story about me. These guys got a lot of gall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. I mean, my other question is: you look the same. You look exactly the same. I feel like as you did on that cover. Did yeah, they you... photoshopped me to look older in that cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I hated it so much. I like, Mimi should look so old. Well, Photoshop was new then. So. Do you like what was it? You drink a lot of water. You exfoliate. Like, what's your secret? Yeah, I moisturize. You moisturize. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm just Italian. I think, and um, um. I really don't know. I, people people keep telling me that now, all of a sudden. Uh, well, maybe they... I was always told I looked very young. Okay. Um, at every age. So, it's paying off now. Yeah. You know, if it, but for a while it was like, oh, God. I, yes, I know. I look, you know, because there's a point where you're like, you know, 25 and you don't want to be carded anymore, you know. Sure. Like, oh. But now I feel if it, it, it's paying off, I, you know, it's one of the, you know, I suffer from small face, so that probably, probably helps a little bit, you know? So what are, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, what do I know? Uh, it's, it's, it feels good. But I'm also like, you know, I maintain that, uh, the fountain of youth or the secret of the fountain of youth is, uh, not losing your connection to music. I believe that as a, not just someone that plays it, but it's just it embraces it and loves it and is still just obsessed, obsessed with music. It's a, it's, it brings you youth. I don't know why. I believe that's true. It does seem to be the case. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm going to look at my peers, my friends that I grew up with and the ones that either play music or just have your, you know, pick a job, A, B, or C, but they are just that's still their their escape they just look a lot better than the friends of mine that like golf now yeah (laughs) instead yeah and you know loud music keeps your hair on yeah it keeps (laughs) your hair on yeah yeah it's good my (laughs) friend jonathan said to me at some point i was like man this one was good i was talking about the the tour that led to the tour and then another tour and another tour i was just giving him the rundown he's like man heavy is the head that wears the hair (laughs) (laughs) that's good what's it sort of like sort of like obviously all this like there is this whole like emo revival sort of thing now i mean what's it like for this thing to kind of like be such a big part of kind of this movement originally whether you wanted to be or not and then have it kind of come full circle again. I mean, does that feel nostalgic for you? Does it feel good? Does it feel surreal? Do um, you pay attention to it, really? Well, I pay attention to it because I love the bands. Um, I really love the bands. It, it feels like a return to form. 
I feel like um, the music I grew up on that was tinge. When I say I was a hardcore kid, that did not mean I only listened to, I don't know, I hate breed. You know, right. I listened to Sunny Day Real Estate and Sensefield and all these bands that were like tangentially connected to the hardcore scene. Those bands were the emo bands. And um, when they started calling my band emo or my, and my friend's band's emo, we we didn't... And this, this predates it being like a snarky statement or an insult. It, but it did feel misappropriated somehow because it, it seemed to apply to bands that we we are that we looked up to that existed already that we didn't think we could ever be as good as at and maybe never were i don't know um but we were inspired by them and then you know a few of those short musical generations go by and the scene we're from becomes more maybe starts to become more about like fashion and haircuts or the bands that are popular at that time are, are more interested or than we were in fashion and haircuts. And then the bands after them started with fashion and haircuts and then thought maybe <laughs> we should play some music. And now, and, and it, and uh, somebody called it the makeup years. Um, I wasn't as interested in as many bands. Some of them. Yes, I was, but, but, I wasn't as interested in as many bands of, from that scene at that time. But now the bands that came out are, seem to be coming out in the last five years from the, uh, a similar scene seem to be looking towards maybe my early era as the latest era of influence. It's like things right. up to up to us and get up kids and so on. It's really like mineral American football, cap and jazz, and um, certainly sunny day real estate, um, and I, it's it's great for me because that's I love that music. I love that music so much. You know, these some band sounds like Jawbreaker. I'm going to like the band, right? One hundred percent. So I feel like it's a great time. And the, and and I think it's I like that there's more women um, in bands and leading bands um, in that scene. There weren't even that many that I could I can only really remember discount, but that was more pop punk, right? Right, right. But I really can only remember like J June and. Like Rainer Maria. Maria Did you ever see that Sarge. band Ashes? And Ashes. I love that band. Yeah. And it was like so odd. This band with this like girl would get up and had this beautiful voice. It's yeah. like a hardcore, hardcore yeah. basement or show. Straight up hardcore with screaming. You remember Walls of Jericho? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She was just fierce. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, um, but I love that you know, like Phoebe Phoebe Bridgers is 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 just like a powerhouse. Uh, Julian is just a powerhouse. They're just like really very 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 talented and clearly drawing on, not clearly, uh, but I, I happen to know them, so I know they're or at least Julian, I know I, I know she's influenced by these bands that I was influenced by too. So I'm probably predisposed to like that. But man, there's some great. I do like what i'm hearing these women do it's it makes it all the more exciting yeah and you're right like i felt like back then too it's like everyone listened to earth crisis but everyone also listened like the promise ring yeah and i didn't think there was anything weird about that yeah now that that changed a little for me i was i had a little rude awakening so you know i I, we were talking a bit about how florida was a little geographically isolated and we made our own scene and so you might have um you might have like Newfound Glory and Shai Halud and Lesson Jake. So you got like a pop band, a hardcore band, pop punk band, a hardcore band and a, and a ska band playing on the same bill. And nobody judged it or thought this one's lame, this one's cool, this one's lame. Everybody was just psyched as we 
were swept up in the moment. It was incredible. I thought that's how every town was till I started touring. And so only world I knew was the punk and hardcore scene. So when I picked up an acoustic guitar and I started touring, I mean, I guess I should have played coffee shops, but I didn't know like this coffee shop circuit. <laughs> right. I still have never played a coffee shop in my life. So I would show up and the bill would just be like the same band after the same band after the same band after the same band and then maybe me. Now this served me really well, it turned out, but it was accidental. Um, that was part of like the vagrant thing that I liked a lot. When we were, you know, Vagrant America, those bands, there was a through line there that, that you could say that we were clearly from the same scene, but the bands didn't sound all that much like each other. And I think, but, but, but we had a um, spirit of intention, intention that was, that was similar. And we had this actual spoken agreement to work together. It wasn't even unspoken. Like, we're going to work really, really hard. And we're going to make sure we work hard together. And you're going to, like, I'm going to book the southern leg of this tour. And and Saves Day is going to book the northeast because they're from there. And the Get Up Kids are going to book the Midwest because they're from there. And just went on like that. You know, and we would work just, we just, we were in it together. And, and when some of us started to succeed, like the Get Up Kids first, they took us all out on tour and then saves the day started to do well and they took us all out on tour and then i did better and i took everybody out on tour and there was no like bum out there was no like rooting against the other guy as if there was only room for one to succeed you were just so psyched that your friends were doing well and you got to be along with them for the ride um things got a little homogenized in the in the in the scene a little bit later seemed to be like one style of music and on on each bill yeah i think it's become less so that that's not the case anymore i think things have become way more adventurous again yeah i really love it i grew up in cleveland and it was like metal hardcore band after metal hardcore band and i was into that music but yeah after seeing like six bands like that it's like it's you were, nice to bring you were into that music i was yeah yeah believe it or not <laughs> but i mean i'm saying I, you still are i still am <laughs> yeah, i'm still very into it new integrity record is actually really, really excellent you should check it out but I, I was curious like were there ever shows where like you're backstage and you're about to go on and it's like all heavy bands and you have your acoustic guitar and you're like oh i don't want to do this <laughs> no i thought uh this is i'm gonna get killed but i never <laughs> thought i wanted i don't want to do this really i thought i want to do this I, I like i really thought you know we we're talking about like the older kids mm-hmm. took me under their wing and my friends under their wing one of them told me if you uh if you go out if you do something against the grain and you put yourself in a posi- position where you have to win them over and you do win them over you'll have them forever but if you're just one of many, they'll like you for a little while. And that really stuck with me. So even though I knew it was going, some nights were going to be tough, and they were tough. So as one example, I remember, you know, we were opening for Snapcase and H2O, and and um, I was just getting pelted with quarters. <laughs> Face, guitar, just pelted, pelted, pelted. And I... I got, I came off the stage and, or I started to get off the stage when my show was done. And, and I learned very early on to just ignore it. Started leaving the stage and Toby from H2O said, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, huh? He goes, where do you think you're going? I was like, well, my, you know, it's, now I'm, I'm, my set's done. He goes, you earned the, that money. Get up there and get that money. <laughs> I went up there and I grabbed the quarters and then he ran back to the merch table and he put on a dashboard shirt and he came back and he told the audience off he said something to the effect of like that's more punk than anything you've ever done in your life standing up here that's more brave what he did or whatever and we sold so much merch that night and I was like, that's Toby. fucking awesome I was like, I was like 
thinking I'm going to start handing out quarters before the show. <laughs> yeah. Get Toby on my side every night. That's we, amazing. We'll be so women in merch. <laughs> oh, man. That is that is so wild. I mean, what uh, sort of... Um, man, that blows me. I mean, do you still like... What am I trying to say? I lost my train of thought. Um, that was a, such an amazing story. I feel like it's kind of like really brought me back to that time. Because I feel like all those bands did tour together so much and you were part of that mix. And I feel like you really opened the door for people. Like I saw Frank Turner open for The Offspring mm-hmm. and Sum 41 and stuff like that. But I felt like you were sort of the first guy in that scene to really get up there and do that. What was sort of the impetus for that, I guess? I think one thing was that... Um I didn't think I was, this wasn't my plan to do this for a career. I was in Further Seems Forever and I loved being in Further Seems Forever so much. Um, But it was a hard band at that time to be in and I was definitely the odd man out. See, they had been this other band called Strong Arm with a different singer, same lineup, just a different singer. And... um, and decided they wanted to stop playing hardcore music. Not that they didn't want to play heavy music, but they didn't want to play hardcore music anymore. They just wanted to add melody. And they liked me from the other bands I was in. We'd played a lot of shows together. And to make a long story short, we, we began to have some success, but we really were not getting along. So it was a, it was a real bum out because all, you know, you... you, you I did dream of being in a successful band and by which I mean by the definition of success as I I was able to see it at that time. Like, well, we could go out, we can do tours, you know, a few weeks here, a few weeks there, whenever whenever we get enough vacation time. You know, I never thought like I could be in a band that was like a career necessarily. I thought maybe it could, I mean, that just seemed like a long shot, you know. It seemed like an impossibility, but further started doing well. Anyway, for for many reasons, for different reasons, I felt it was right to leave that band. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. I talked to to Chad Gilbert and I talked a lot about like, what should I do next? Should I start a band? Would we start a band, Chad and I? um, Other bands I'd been in, would I go back to them? I wasn't sure. But I did know that I had, so I'd recorded this record of what ended up being the Swiss Army Romance And it came out while Further was on tour and the Further guys were awesome about it. They were like, you should sell that at a merch table. And they also were like, we played this one festival and Chad, our, a chat from, from Chad Neptune um, from Further was, he made me play my first set. It wasn't my first show. My first show was really with Saves a Day, like planned show. But my first time I ever really played in front of anybody was at this festival where he goes, he goes, hey, we're going to go see this band over in this tent. Further was there for to play the festival that night. I said, okay. So we walk over. He said, oh, you're going to love this, man. You're going to love this. And the band we saw was him pushing me up and handing me an acoustic guitar. <laughs> with like a, I mean, like the strap came down to my like at shins. I don't know whose it was. And I was like, oh. And there were all these people there because the word had been getting around about this this record I made. And my bandmates were super supportive. My bandmates and further. When I left further, I had already had this plan of like, I knew this one month of October, I had some vacation time and they didn't have it and we couldn't tour. So I planned this tour. And I planned it all around the fact that like newfound glory said that i could do some shows with them and it just meant that i could go hang out with newfound glory really so i thought i'd do this basically this one month tour come back home figure out what i was going to do for my next band and hope it went well but it was like pretty evident to me from the get-go that i'd found my my direction that, that i really found my real passion once i once i started playing and playing these songs in front of people started winning them over realizing that i had a way to connect with people that i didn't expect to have i knew how to connect with people when i was like wrapping a microphone cord around my neck right and and you know run around my shirt off and you know being bananas but bringing it down to a small place 
and and really finding a way to <clears throat> delve a little deeper, I guess, um, was just very rewarding and kind of addictive. Yeah. seems like you and Chad had very similar kind of trajectory, sort of, because I remember when he left Shai Halud, when he was doing that and Newfound at the same time, when he went to do Newfound, everyone thought it was insane because Shai Halud was such a huge kind of band in that scene. Yeah. Like, you want to start a pop punk band? <laughs> like, why would you want to do that? I mean, I... I said that to him, <laughs> you know, but he was, he, he was right, you know, and I loved the band. I just said, yeah. why did you have to leave one to do the other? Why sure. can't you do both? Cause he was doing both. I know because I played guitar and found glory for him when he was on tour with Shiloh. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, I thought he could just continue to do both, but he found his, he knew what his, his real love was going to be. And I think that uh, he knew that for me too. He was one of the, he was really adamant that I do. Both Chads, they were really adamant that I do dashboard. Chad was, Chad Gilbert was incredibly um, astute about what worked for pe- for people. Not like what worked ge- in a general, broad manner. He just could figure out what you were really great at and just kind of foster it in you and he still he still does that that's why he's a really great producer yeah because i think he finds it before you do and you're excited as hell to have this new territory to explore and then you guys have both been able to kind of reunite with those bands kind of as adults which must be cool i mean there was a point a couple years ago we we talked about the fact that we um between our side projects and and our main bands it had been like 10 straight years that we toured together every year without fail. And, and then immediately after defining that, we didn't have a tour <laughs> again. Um, but we live in the same town and we spent a lot of time together. And uh, yeah, lucky to have him for a friend. Definitely. I mean, like, as far as like sort of the, the new record goes, I mean, um, I was reading some stuff about it and listening to it. And there's kind of this ideas of like, self-examination or self-improvement or i mean like is this something are these things you think about a lot or things do you work on a lot of do you do like any mindfulness stuff or how do you sort of work work on that stuff in your kind of daily life and how that kind of maybe translate into the record yeah i'm trying to become a better person um i i realized at some point you know that that just Being easygoing is one thing and being kind is another thing. But like really, you have to really try if you want to, if you want to be a good person, you have to really put forth a lot of effort. That isn't to say that by not trying, you're going to be a bad person. Right. But I, I like to think that I'm improving as a human being and, and bettering the lives of the people around me and allowing them to better my life is that something like did you have like a turning point or like a moment where something happened or has it just been kind of like a gradual kind of thing for you well i think it's gradual because i think when you start out in this in our corner of rock and roll the the indie hardcore post-punk post-hardcore scene there is a sort of holdover from a uh, mentality of like, well, we're, we're going to change the world. And then after a while, and maybe you do just a little bit for some people, which is special. That's a special thing. And then you get to a place where you're like, well, now, like maybe the approach is just do no harm. And that's where I was for a while, which is a good place. And then there's like another level of like, how can I affect change in myself and in the world? And there's large ways you can do that. And then there's small ways, but I don't think you can do the big things without doing the small things. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. I mean, um, 
do you feel like I feel like there must be so many fans of Dashboard who are maybe not familiar with um you know uh Morning Again or Culture. I always forget that. I know. know. I forget. <laughs> I always forget that you know it's 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 you just think they've if you're in my position, you think you they've been around for the along for the whole ride. They must totally. have started where I started. If they connect with my music, they must understand every single album I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> and also be fans of that stuff. And in some cases, it's true, but it's rare. Yeah, yeah. I was curious, like, how often do you talk about this stuff, and how what's it like? What's it like also having fans that are like, I heard this on like the Spider-Man soundtrack, and that's my or I saw you with um, Third Eye Blind, and that's my exposure. Well, the Third Eye Blind thing was just, it was a great experiment. And I think we gained some fans. So I, th- I know we did. I know we gained fans of theirs. I don't know that they're the same kind of lifer fans that we... Look, I enjoyed that summer for sure. And it was a great combination of bands. I didn't know if it would be, but it really worked. Um, but I think that... well. Let me, this comes to mind. Um, every now and again, well, let's start with this. Very often, someone will tell me they like this song. This They give me a litany of songs and reasons they like the songs. Okay. And how it's affected their life and why it's affected, their life, why they needed it, what, how it helped. Sort of the same way I feel about like... If, if I'm being honest, this is the same way I feel about The Cure. The band The Cure. Um, but then every now and again, you have an, a conversation like I had last week. Um, I was playing a show and a woman said to me that, and this is one of the best compliments I get when I get it is that they they walk down the aisle to Stolen, which is a song of mine. And that that really is, that's a special thing to hear because that's your, that's for some people the biggest, most important day of their life, um, or one of them. And she said, she just, I just love that song. And uh, I don't know any of your other songs. <laughs> you... Uh, so you but you walked down the aisle to it <laughs> oh i love that song i really love scrubs <laughs> and i had to like compute for a second what what does that statement mean <laughs> and then i remembered there was an episode of scrubs where they used that song in its entirety with no dialogue People love TV more than music sometimes, I think, for sure. <laughs> I think it's and, also just connecting the visual. Yeah. You know, because that's, you know, people just learn that way. It's I think like so. Visual and music, they like can envision themselves in those moments with your song as their soundtrack. I guess so. You know. And I'm psyched. I'm psyched yeah. about that for whatever. However, I just am a little curious. You, you're not a, like you're not a bit curious yourself. Just like one other song, just, bit, just yeah. one other on, song. Man. Yeah, this is the most defining song in my life. He has a bunch of other music, but I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm perplexed. By, yeah. I mean, like I get that she loves Scrubs, and maybe <laughs> I, she definitely and, seen and more than one episode of Scrubs for sure. Yeah. She watched all the Scrubs. Yeah, and she probably had the. It sounds like I'm taking her to t- task on this one. I'm not. I'm totally... This is a really moving moment for me to find out this. But I really was, like, astonished because of the way I connect with music. One song making me feel something strongly will make me do a deep dive into totally. every song that that band's ever ri- written, every band they like, every band they've... Other band they've been in. Uh, what kind of guitar do they play? How do they get that tone? Like, I just... I, I'm a different breed and so that one to me was like well we all have a right to need music for the reasons we need it and it doesn't have to be my way yeah your your way i mean it's funny because that enthusiasm to you know to really dig in is something that everybody i think has when they're a kid you know it's funny we were talking about how music keeps you young but 
musicians do kind of hang on to that. And so, and it's not just because it's their career and they need to stay on top of what everybody else is doing, but you do like, you do, you, I hear a song and I'm like, okay, I've got to, I got to find out where this came from and what else there is. But I don't think other people do. I think people grow up and they lose that enthusiasm. You know, you know, I mean, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, you have so much energy to spend on things like that. And I think, there's other things that you spend a lot of energy on too that you lose, you lose the ability. I think it's to. also just like becoming comfortable. It's hard to, I mean, we. It's work, yeah. We it's work. Be getting obsessed with it for like a couple weeks, which like the same thing happens to me, and I go down like the rabbit hole of like where did they record it? Where you know all of this stuff. It's work. Yeah. And some people are just like, whatever, man, I put on the radio and it's like the same 10 songs be, that I heard when I was. Maybe another but, good but, song on know, Scrubs. But yeah. like, <laughs> it's just. Well played. There's stuff like that, though, that I'm sure we don't know anything or care. Like, I feel like I get in a car. I'm like, if I bought a car, but I get to Ford. Like, okay. Like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. some people are like fascinated with like yeah. every. Like, I, yeah. So that's that's a fair analogy because I was super into cars when I was younger and worked on it with my older brother who was super handy. But. And I was obsessed with it. And I wasn't as good at it as he, as he was. And that became his livelihood. Right. And still his passion. And I like them well enough. Sure. But I don't work on cars anymore. And I don't obsess about cars like I like I did. And, um, yeah, so that's that, But that seems specifically teen agery to me. Somehow yeah. music feels like it's there for its purpose is to be with you for your whole life well it is you know but the thing is you know what the, i mean they even talk about how people you know most people they stop they stop seeking new music after a certain age you know i mean god i've got friends that they don't listen to anything okay. that was made after the 80s you know for real like they don't have a clue and but you know do they but do they listen to that music? Yeah, or do they, they do. listen a they lot? They do. They do listen to music. It's still in their life. They just don't seek out anything new, or even. I guess know. I can live with that one. Yeah, I can live with that one. I yeah. think that, like, at least maybe you just found what works for you. But it's music. I don't know why music is so. Why the idea of music for other people is so important to me? Why should you're it matter a fucking to me? Musician. It, I guess so, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be my music. I just, I just feel like everybody's made better music i don't know i feel like maybe that taps into what you were talking about earlier that like scene the hardcore scene that's like the connection it's like we all connect on this in, oh, yeah. some, in some similar way we all have yeah, yeah our yeah. own individual and, and way but like as a group like we're I'm, all from all over the place yeah and i feel like people stay listening to me like i know when i go to strawbreaker show next month i'm gonna know like half the people there like a few people that are into that those bands like they still care about it you got tickets? No yeah, I got deal. tickets. I got tickets. Yeah, <laughs> you excited for the Jawbreaker reunion, Chris? Yeah, I've, I've, I went to two of the sc- two screenings of the um, of the movie uh, with the with the band, and um, and they did their Q and As and all that. And they're one. Of, if they're not my favorite band, they're they're definitely top five. Um, I'm really thrilled, and they are man, they are good. They're yeah. so good right now. Yeah. There, I saw them, but on the on Dear You on the tour. Oh wow! wow. Um, with uh, opening for the Smoking Popes, and it, it was strange. It was this is it was. You want to talk about those musical memories? I, I stood in line. No, I I walked through the line, passing out flyers for my show. Then I watched my favorite two of my favorite bands. One being my favorite band of all time. After the show, I went and in directly to the studio for the first time ever and recorded. That was a night we were recording our first, you know, three songs. Wow! That we, so that's like a special, special night for me. What do you think about a dashboard jawbreaker tour? I think I, I mean, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll set it up. Yeah, I want to just the Brazil reunion next. I I uh, I I would love to. I would love to. I feel like that. I don't know if it would derail the jawbreaker thing. I don't know how much energy yeah. they have to expend, yeah. but man, I would really love that too. We did a podcast yeah. with with uh, Chris Daly, 
and we talked about it and he had talked about how it got sort of close and then blake kind of disappeared well i think it's like for those bands it's the same as the descendants like with milo yeah it's like right. the, the whole thing goes as blake goes yeah right. yeah. yeah you know yeah i think you're right that's yeah. another one i didn't even talk about just descendants is just this massively important band to me and it's incredible to see that they're they're finally getting their yeah. they're doing as jawbreakers now yeah. yeah and also had an awesome documentary about them such yeah. a good maybe one of the best music documentaries i've ever seen yeah live itch i didn't know about the that original bass pl- like i didn't, I didn't know, know a lot of the, i thought i knew so much about and them. the original guitar player yeah and, yeah yeah they had they had a lot of uh intrigue in that band for for being so like light lighthearted. you know i love that the one guy the guitar player like just burned all his possessions his guitar and just split down <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Now, that's the way to leave a band <laughs> set it on fire <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you to Chris for coming by. Um, as we said up top, Dashboard Confessional's new album, Crooked Shadows, arrives February 9th. Um, their first record for Fueled by Ramen, which is um, a label that also has been very kind of going off track. So shout out to them. Shout out to Ross for making this interview happen. Yeah, Ross. Thanks, Ross. Yes. Um, if you yeah. want to give us a shout out, like uh, with some coin attached to it. Nice transition. <laughs> if you want to... If you want to donate to Cashboard Confessional, whoa, <laughs> slash going off track, you can do that. Uh, yeah, but seriously, we have a Patreon page. Uh, thank you to everyone who supported us on Patreon. Yeah, I'll- we've got some great donors. It really makes us feel good. You guys, you guys, um, that's all. That's the only money we're getting. We're not getting any advertising pay. So you know that beer I was drinking last night when we were recording that podcast came from you yeah i'm also pretty you who i'm talking to right now you know who you are (laughs) i'm pretty sure me and brad don't have jobs which is why we're doing where we're recording these at four in the afternoon on a tuesday uh so yeah convenient anything you donate uh is very very appreciated um but yeah if you want to do that if you want to get you know early access to episodes outtakes bonus episodes um at some point we're gonna have some new merch some merch hopefully etc we're working on a, some stuff with the logo anyways patreon.com uh, slash going off track yes um if you just want to do a one time send us like a like a tip like uh you it's know a good way to put it you, you, yeah like <laughs> you tip someone for opening a beer you tip someone for taking a coffee pot and tilting their arm with it you can uh you can Which jonah just did the gesture i just of. did the gesture uh you can tip us for for talking for an hour yeah, uh, man. if you want so yeah you can go to um venmo.com slash off track uh brad's name will come up and you can throw us a buck two bucks whatever five bucks we appreciate that um a thousand a thousand dollars would be great uh or a bitcoin would be great <laughs> one one bitcoin one bitcoin that'd be great it, it could be anywhere from like 10 grand 17 grand <laughs> anywhere in there depends uh, on what day it is we'll be thankful yes um if if uh if you don't have any bitcoins, that's okay. You can. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't either, actually. Uh, but you can go to uh, iTunes and leave us a nice review and uh, leave us a five star review, some comments that'll make us look good. Or you can just tweet at us. We're on Twitter, going off track. I believe we have some social media stuff that might be coming up too. Uh, me and Brad are old and bad at social media, <laughs> so we are not going to be in charge of it. But uh, yeah, keep your ears open for our 300th live podcast too. Yes. We're closing in on that, and we are going to try and do something. We are, yeah. We should talk about that. Me yeah. and Brad are going to work on on a live podcast, and also thank you again to Pulse Music uh, for hosting Going Off Track. Absolutely, at uh, their beautiful studio on West 29th Street. <laughs> uh, I believe that's it, and I got nothing else. Yes. So, oh, and also. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, check out some of the bands that Chris referenced. Uh, check out Chris's other band, Further Seems Forever, obviously, but check out uh, As Friends Russ, Culture, Morning Again, Damon Dunn, all that stuff. It's uh, That is such a discount, hot water music. That that scene is a special place in my heart. Those are all amazing bands. So um, if you don't know about any of them, definitely check them out. And we'll be back next week with another podcast, right, Brad? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> we will. We will. We promise. Okay.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.